Welcome to part three of chapter six, the Malignment of Alignment. In part three, we're going to talk about how to roleplay alignment. In part one, we talked about the concept and history of alignment and a little bit about why it's so troublesome for players. And in part two, we talked about how game masters should be running alignment at their tables, gave us some hints to make the game a little bit better. Let's talk about what it means to be good, evil, lawful, and chaotic. My sort of idea of a good alignment is you work within limitations. A good character isn't just serving good. We all want to beat up the bad guy, but to me, the good character works within limitations, and what those limitations are may be different from character to character. Gygax talked a lot about how good didn't mean pacifistic, but maybe the good guy won't torture people or won't imprison people, something like that. What do you think good means? Uh, for me, good means you have to do good things and have good intentions with them. It's not enough to do good deeds. It's not enough to have good intentions. Mm. To me, it's also a little bit about serving others. So for me, good is, without getting into philosophical debates about, you know, the nature of good and I evil mean, and such. A little's okay. When, you, when you're just talking about at a role-playing game table. I think, sure. I think good mainly means that you are trying to uh, emulate some of the more commonly accepted, quote unquote, good attributes. Okay. Honesty, um, kindness, charity. Sure. Looking out for other people, like, like you just said, like, it's not that you're necessarily going to give up all of your personal gain, all of <clears throat> your... Um, your whole life to serving others, although some people might do that and they would be considered good. Sure. But it generally means that you have regard for other people. And I'm the only one at the table that can use this example because I'm completely non-religious, but like a Christ-like person, the idea is if you go into the Bible, you know, Christ did all these good things, you want to emulate that behavior. It should be noted I am not religious. It is just an example. Uh, purely surface level, and that that's really all you need for a role-playing game. Yeah. Whereas... Evil, I think, is the next obvious like yeah. know, area to explore, would be, like you said, most people don't think they're evil. No, they never think they're evil. But evil, from just a purely surface level, would be a selfish <clears throat> action. Mm -hmm. It would be an action that serves only um, yourself. It also means, to me at least, I had talked about this with good, to me... An evil person and a good person might even be pursuing similar goals, depending on how the alignment system is going to work in your game. But the evil person will go further or do worse things. So they might torture that captive. Their, their pursuit of their goal will come at the expense of others, whereas the good persons might not, or at least not, not as much, not as finally, perhaps. And the evil person might default to actions we would consider evil more readily. Mm-hmm. Violence. So, huh? Violence. Yeah. The lying, evil people. Stealing. It's D&D, so you're going to get a combat regardless. Okay, but a good person might be more likely to try to talk it out, and I feel like an evil person's more like, nope, let's stab them, they're evil. Though, some of that is depending on what the kind of monster is. So, like, 
it might flip if it's like a demon or a devil or something. An evil person might be like, hey, I think we can talk this out. A good we person might be like, deal. nah, fuck you. I'm going to cut your throat. You're, you're a fucking manifestation of evil. So it is important to note, though, uh, most people are the hero in their own story. Tom is going to roll his fucking eyes at this because he's so sick of hearing this analogy online. Hitler thought he was good. He ultimately thought he was good. He thought he was doing what his country needed. Yeah. Obviously, seems... And it came at the expense of other people. Yeah, seems the most obviously evil person that we can probably think of in modern history, but but did not consider himself evil. Very rarely do people consider... Even, like, serial killers usually don't consider themselves evil, depending on the serial killer. Interestingly, as you'll, if you'll recall, I mentioned three hearts and three lions in part one. Mm-hmm. The, car- the protagonist is a World War II veteran, and he considers the Nazis not to be evil, but to be a force of chaos. That it's sort of a primal savagery that has like resurged up that the allies are trying to stop very interesting view i had not heard that before but that is very interesting and if you want to play if you're playing an evil character and you want to play it this way that's fine but very few people are like haha let's bathe in the blood of children and there's a reason that demons generally in DD aren't a playable race is because they're they're cartoon evil yes right yep they're they're like mustache twirling like evil for evil's sake evil which is not a great character to play you can play that but it's mostly for comedic effect if you try to play that as a serious character it's not you can do it yeah for comedic effect or in like a one shot or something but for a prolonged campaign like nah lawful versus chaotic what does lawful or chaotic mean? To me, lawful does not necessarily mean I follow every law. This is actually the alignment that causes the most problems for players, I think, or for GMs, which is you're never allowed to break the law or you're never allowed to break the rules, which is ridiculous in real life. So I'm sure my parents, who are generally super orderly, law-abiding people, I'm sure, you know, they've downloaded something that they're not... Potentially, I don't know. I'm sure my dad, who's an orderly person, smoked pot in the 70s before it was legal. Like, like you can be a lawful orderly person and still do things that are not 100% legal or 100% orderly. For me, the law versus chaos like dichotomy has always been, where do you look to for authority and guidance? Is it to other people? Lawful. Like... The, the either this person has decreed it and they're in charge so i'm gonna follow what they say or my god has decreed it and they're in charge so i'm gonna follow what they say or even it could be the society at large has come to a consensus so i'm social gonna follow contract. what it says yes social contract whereas okay. chaotic is i decide for myself i am my own authority and so I will do what I want, regardless of what other people think. I tend to agree with Jacob. Um, my perspective is lawful is going to be based on tradition and authority. Tradition. And chaos is going to be based on individualism and freedom. 
Okay. Mm-hmm. And there's always a balance. So good and evil are I almost consider a little bit boring compared to law and chaos because with to me with order and chaos, the idea that it's it's easy to, to agree forces, with yeah. good or evil, right? Yeah, like, oh, right. that's clearly a good action. That's clearly well, an evil Well, we all want to be good, right? I guess we're all good. I'm not. But all right, I guess we all want to be good. It's harder to determine which is correct, the lawful action or the chaotic action. Because, There's a lot more gray area yeah, there. Yeah, because both and neither. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, so it's almost like it's... If you're not using it as a faction, it's almost like there's like a spectrum, like the spectrum. I'm on the spectrum. <laughs> so, and to me, neutrality is it's not so much that you are like actively seeking to balance out your actions and your thoughts and your beliefs between all of these these axes. Sometimes neutrality, sure, sometimes, but neutrality to me is more often like in this area of my life. I'm more lawful in this area. I'm more chaotic. And it's, it's more of in depending on different areas of your life or different actions, you would change your perspective on it. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that, that to me, it makes a more neutral character. I think that neutrality makes more sense when you consider the old way of doing things where they are specifically trying to seek the, both sides from becoming too powerful. Mm. The enlightened centrism of D and D. It it kind of it kind of breaks down on the individual level, though. Like nobody is like, "Oh, I did too many good things yesterday. I have to do some bad things today." It's fun like, to it, do it, bad it, things. It, it makes sense on like a factional level, but it kind of breaks down when you're considered an individual character, don't you think? It works better for law and chaos than it does for good and evil. For good and evil, it's kind of eye-rolly. Yes, I think that neutrality without the faction system is a little bit uh, silly. I don't mind it for law and chaos. I think for law and chaos, it works because the idea is you want some order, but you want some freedom. Not to do with American politics, but it's almost like being politically moderate that you're like, well, I can kind of see both arguments. That's why it works for me in the chaos and order spectrum. It, do- it doesn't really work for me in the uh, good and evil spectrum. No. Yeah. So a big tool, a big takeaway we want for our players is the evil but. No one is entirely any alignment. And if you're trying to figure out how to role play your alignment... Get an idea in your head of what you think good and law means or what your character thinks good and law means. And then ask yourself, what exceptions are you willing to make? Because everyone is willing to make exceptions to their alignment. Life is all about moral compromises. Here are some example exceptions. I'm evil, but I would never hurt my brother. I'm chaotic, but I have all kinds of elaborate schemes. I'm good, but I'll do anything I have to do to keep the princess safe. Everyone's got that. And it's really important to remember with regards to good and evil, evil people can love and evil people can be loyal and evil people can do and have allegiances and alliances. They're not they're not all sociopathic serial killers. They probably are more willing to sink to a sociopathic serial killer death. But they probably do have some allegiances and some loyalties and some something outside of just being evil for evil's sake. I think I think the exceptions is really good. 
have a couple, right? It doesn't Absolutely. need to be one. Have two, yeah. three, four exceptions. Mm-hmm. And another big part of that, tell your GM what these exceptions are. Because if you keep them a secret, they're not going to know. So that's never going to come up. You need to tell yeah. them what they are. Or tell the other players oh. or one player that you trust, right? Yeah. Because like if, if nobody knows what your character's exceptions are, then nobody knows what your character's buttons are that can be pushed, mm-hmm. they're never going to come up in the game. Yeah. And so we always have this stereotype of like, oh, the party's got like an evil rogue and a good paladin and the, you know, the, oh, it's time to torture someone. I don't know why torture keeps coming up. It like never comes up in our games, but whatever. It's time to torture someone. Eh, sometimes. Eh, not never. Uh, oh, okay. Let's give him to the rogue. But like, what if the paladin was the torture? What if the paladin was good, but you know, a little bit of a sadist? It happens. And I think that's a perfect way of the GM um, having some nice role playing opportunities. Like, let's say the paladin's like, well, I'm going to try to convince him to tell me the plans. GM's like, mm, he's not going to tell you, but you could torture him into getting into getting the information. Not the rogue. You could. Yeah, he's not scared of the rogue, but you start hammering on him and uh, maybe he uh, releases that information a little faster. Yep. Yes. And and you can even push that. And we talked about this with the GM podcast. Don't don't punish players for going outside of their alignment. So talk to your GM about that. And you know, if if it's a moral event horizon for your character where it's going to, like, fuck up their alignment. Your GM should tell you that. It generally, it only applies to clerics and paladins. Normally, it's not. I mean, the, the fallen paladin thing's kind of fun, but it's kind of hokey. Normally, it's not a moral event horizon for you to do some bad things. Or do you even maybe, you know, you're a paladin, but, like, you've got a soft spot for your friends, and, you you know, you let them get away with stealing arguably is that against your paladin code that you know your friend is skimming off the top when he's playing cards or or palming cards jesus are are you morally obligated to reveal that or as a lawful person is that kind of one of your exceptions because it's your buddy Mm -hmm. um which kind of segs into the next thing we want to talk about which is i'm sorry what it it segs segs segways it's a segue it's a seg. It's going to seg. seg. You can seg. You can seg. That segs. I've never heard that before I've in my never life. Heard I've clearly heard that before. I didn't just make that up. People don't say that. Yes, they do. He's that been watching segs. too many of the TikToks. <laughs> I don't watch the TikToks. You know it's Chinese spyware, right? <laughs> That's why I don't watch the TikToks. They're in my mind. Also, you're almost 40. What does that have to do with anything? I'm sorry. Late 30s. Maybe mid. <laughs> mid 30s. 37 is your mid 30s. I'm about to be in my late 30s. You're 35. Right, 36. That's going to be late 30s. 36 is not your late 30s. No, it's not. Okay. 37 is. Very well. (laughs) Fuck you, bitches. (laughs) So, the mixed party alignment. Couple of notes. Uh, First of all, and we don't say this enough, even though we've said it several times, role-playing games are a team sport. You are playing with your friends. You're working together to defeat the enemy. You're working together to tell a fun story. Don't be a horse's cock and fuck everything up for everybody. Don't look for reasons to have PvP scuffles with your friends where you're stabbing each other because you're having a disagreement. 
if you're ending a sentence with because it's what my character would do, stop and reconsider. You might be a dick. So how do you um, get a whole bunch of people of different alignments on board doing the same thing? Oh, that's a good question. So the first thing you have to do, especially is to work with the GM. Your whole team sits down and works with the GM and says... Why are we here? Everyone's got to be in that D&D party for a fucking reason. And it's not just we want treasure unless that's your treasure hunters. No, that is the exact reason everybody's together. It's not the best reason. Not necessarily. Some I mean, games. It, it's a reason and it can work. It's real simple. But if you want something more, you're going to have to sit down and figure out why the fuck these characters are working together. Yep. If when you, normally they'd hate each other. Yeah. If your team is doing good, good. If you're if you're trying to tell a story where you want your characters invested in doing the right thing, you better fucking figure out where they're there. Some examples. Does someone else owe someone a blood debt? I've played. Uh, I played an evil character in a good game once. I do that a lot, actually. I think evil characters are funny and fun to play. Um, I played an evil character in. Uh, we were playing a Savage Rifts game. My character owed another character a blood debt, so my character served the order, so he was an evil piece of shit that was like, he was like this cannibal race, he was ripping faces off, and I was like really, just, you know, really descriptive with it, like eating people's heads and stuff, but he was he was not going to betray the party, he wasn't evil in that way. And there's there's kind of two ways you can do this. So you can do the, we all have the same goal. Yeah. Uh, type of approach where uh-huh. you've all and maybe you you know know the ending of the campaign ahead of time um or, or your gm does you can all be actively going towards the same goal so whereas mm-hmm. maybe after that goal is achieved the party breaks up that's fine um, as long as you're all working towards the same goal that can work the other way you can do it is the characters have become entangled in each other's lives yeah through i like, like that one. those blood mm-hmm. debts relationships right so if you establish relationships before the game starts of like this person owes this person and this person is related the the brother of this person's uh now dead wife yep like you can you can mesh the party together through relationships so it's kind of two different approaches you still kind of want to like getting an idea have a little bit of that common goal so you don't just all know each other but you don't know why you're there but you're 100 percent right jacob i love doing those little relationships there was a meme that was on the internet that was like shitty character concepts. And one was the paladin is the rogue's parole officer. And people were like, oh, that's a shitty concept. And then everybody commented on it like, that's a fucking amazing. A I would play concept. the fucking shit out of that concept. That's so good. Yeah, that's a great yeah. concept. And that explains. So say the paladin is doing something that's for the greater good. You need a rogue to go into dungeons. And so you're you're going to have to parole someone. And so now the paladin's the rogue's parole officer. And the rogue doesn't want to piss the paladin off because he doesn't want to get arrested. What? Boom, you're done. And then by the end of the session, you realize you're just the suicide squad. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You're the fucking suicide. Ah, fuck that shit. Play the Suicide Squad. That's amazing. So if you're gonna if you're gonna play a mixed party alignment, um, obviously figure out what the common goals are. Another thing is figure out what your dynamics are going to be like. Which sounds like it's taking the magic out of the role playing, and it is to an extent. But there's a natural way to like not create standoff situations. So a perfect example would be that paladin rogue duo. 
right? Who's, who's the comic relief in that? Who's the boss in this situation? Because somebody's going to win. So, for example, the rogue is uh, pickpocketing the shop owner. The paladin notices. The paladin says to the rogue, hey, stop that. Now, in that relationship, the rogue should go, whoops, you caught me. And then the paladin should go, oh, you. And then the rogue puts the money back and then the conversation's over. If the rogue's being a dick... And the rogue says, nope, I'm not putting that back. And the paladin says, well, you have to put it back. You're just going to have a standoff in a PvP situation. It gets really fucking ugly really fast. So kind of figure out, like, who's in charge? Because someone's in charge. This is somebody's party. It should also be noted D&D is really terrible for PvP situations. So don't do it because somebody's going to end up with hurt feelings and lots of mad. Yeah, yeah. And in fact, we talked about this in our first one. Uh, we don't recommend a lot of the hidden traitor stuff in Dungeons & Dragons. If you want to play, like, a hidden traitor game, there are, like, a dozen that are, like, super fun board games. But it, like, it just doesn't work that well in D&D. There are other games that would probably run it better, but don't do it in D&D. Paranoia. I've never played Paranoia as a Neither game. Neither have I. I've read <laughs> the book, but... Play some fucking Paranoia. So... Another another note to address with that, and this is kind of our final note, is turning on the party. Ooh. If you decide you're going to be evil or you're stealing from the party or something else, understand you need to play it in a way that you're going to fail. No good GM, no even mediocre GM is going to let you dominate the party and ruin the game for everybody else. So we played a game a very long time. It was the first game we all played in. It was like the end, and I was like, I think I'm going to turn on the party because my character's evil, and it was like the very last game, and you're like, yeah, yeah, that's cool. You're going to like get your ass kicked, though. And I was like, yeah, let's fucking play that shit out. And we didn't even roll for it. We like handled it narratively that like mm -hmm. my character killed another character, and then he got killed by the other character. Like, you're not going to be like, okay, turn on the party, now roll for it. Oh, you, you TPK'd the party. Like, that's not fun for the other players. Oh, you've been planning this for 10 sessions and accumulating magic items that no. specifically counteract the other party members and they're all dead. And nope. You win. Nope. No, that's oh, terrible. That wasn't fun for that's, anyone. It, nobody oh, I liked that. I saw that episode of Justice League. Yeah, that was stupid. Batman wank is lame. Um, yeah. That I was... saw that episode of Community. I did not. I don't yes, watch you Community. did. That was the D&D episode. Was it? It yeah. was where the... The one that's not online anymore, because blackface. It wasn't blackface. That was the joke. Anyway. So, yeah, if you want to turn on the party, understand that the it's probably going to be for comedic relief and it's going to fail. Um, so, for example, if you want to play an imp who's got a bunch of side schemes and stuff and you're, you know, you're constantly trying, the joke is going to be you failing. If you try to play it really seriously and you try to turn on the party, that's not going to work. Evil is best done in a good party as comic relief. Or like I said, blood debt, something like that. You could do the opposite, which is a good character is kind of stuck putting up with the evil group shenanigans. That's another possibility. But if it ever comes to like a full PvP moment, just understand a good GM, any GM really who's not shit, is not going to let you like destroy the game by secretly turning on the party at the end. It's not that kind of game. So we're going to draw that to a close. If you haven't listened yet, in part one, we discussed the concept of alignment, why it's problematic, and what its history is. And in part two, we discuss how to run alignment at your table and some possibilities. Thanks for listening.